0: This is Clutch Fans.
1: Oh! from the parking lot? The Rockets are going to Boston. How sweet it is!
0: And by the way, shout out to the Clutch Fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans podcast. An open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards.
1: Houston Rockets is unbeatable.
0: I'm ready to get on touch, band. Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty.
1: Welcome, welcome. It's been a while since we've done the podcast, and uh, welcome back. We are just about to start the regular season after this preseason here with the Rockets going 5-2, and two. and I am here with good friend David Weiner. He's not an actual thug, but he is known as Bema Thug on both the board, and you can follow him on Twitter, at Bema Thug. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you doing this.
0: It's an honor to join you on the podcast, as always, Dave. <laughs>
1: right. You know, it's funny because we haven't, you and I have not talked on the podcast since just like the eve of free agency. So um, it's been a, a long while and there's a lot to talk about really when you, when you consider what we're about to embark on with the Rockets this season. Now that we've seen them in the preseason, I don't know how much we learned about them. How do we, you know, looking back at the off season, was that a success overall in your opinion?
0: Um. I, I think that that story has yet to be fully told. I think we're not going to really know what we have probably till two thirds of the way into this season would be my guess, especially with Beverly out for a while. But I mean, they, they definitely made some interesting moves. Um, I don't know. Well, well, let me throw the question to you, Dave. What If you were to grade this off season, what grade would you, would you give the Rockets?
1: Uh, I think I'd give them about a B, maybe a B minus. Uh, you know, I think, you had to change your expectations because, you know, we had these hopes of at least being in the race for Kevin Durant and that just sort of blew up in their face. And I think we're paying for the sins of this team last year. I think in fan interest, um, in what they were able to do this offseason to not even get an audience with Durant, I think was sort of a, a sign that this team's going to have to reprove itself. It's going to have to, Reestablish itself as something better because last year was such a disaster. And I mentioned, I think fans, um, this year are, they almost have to be won back by the Rockets, proven that, that, you know, this team is uh, not going to be such a disappointment to, uh, in comparison to expectations. So I think now that the expectations are a little bit lowered, um, I think offensively they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I'm excited about that aspect of it. Um, I'm a little leery of saying this is a 50-win team and they're going to be, you know, so good. But I think offensively, they've made a big jump. So, in that regard, they are who they are. They know who they are. Um, they're embracing who they are, and um, you know, I think that they're going to be fun to watch and, and be an interesting team. So, in that regard, I think the offseason was a success.
0: Yeah, not surprisingly, I'd probably agree with you on a on a B minus. Uh, and I think the the Nene signing for for just the room exceptions is probably what kicks it up to a B minus from yeah. maybe a C plus for me. Very good move. I thought the, the the Nene signing was was just a fantastic bargain that that almost makes up for the um, excessive yet unfortunately market fair market value contract they gave Ryan Anderson. I was hoping they could get him uh, maybe a couple million less per year than they did, but you know, at least one other team, uh, most likely Sacramento, w- would have given Anderson the deal that he got from the Rockets. So, they had to pay for it.
1: Let me jump in there for just a second to say it's almost surprising when you go back and look at this uh, Nene signing because he signed with the Rockets as if they were pretty much an elite contender. Which is given the the, the bargain I think that he signed at that rate, uh, I think you only saw that with a few teams that like the Warriors or the Cavs or whatever. Uh, teams that are ready to 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 go for a title uh you know guys like david west um Pachulia stuff like that signing there for pretty cheap just for that shot and I thought nene almost assuredly could have gotten more on the open market
0: oh yeah absolutely, and I think maybe it was the uh relationship that had been established over the years with the rockets front office and and how they' had pursued him, and almost had him uh if uh, not for the basketball reasons. Avoiding uh, of the trade that that would have brought Pau Gasol to the Rockets. I think Nene was lined up to sign here. Um, and he even spoke about it at Media Day um, that, uh, you know, he, he was almost a Rocket a few years ago, and he, and he really liked the organization. I think without kind of making those ties years in advance, you know, he probably doesn't give us the same kind of consideration you would give a, a you know, a prime contender. Uh, the
1: Harden extension, did you like that?
0: Um yes and no. Um, uh, you know, as a amateur capologist and if you're looking at this from kind of a, a micro pure cap management standpoint, it's a. it's not a good move. You're essentially paying Harden fifty million dollars to stay one more year. However, Uh, this needs to be looked on at a macro scale. And when you're looking at relationships, ability to draw free agency, long-term, long-term franchise planning, uh, I think it was a good move. Uh, You know, I think just under the rules as they currently are, this was the best way for the Rockets to remain relevant in NBA circles beyond the season. I think uh, if they had not done it, most, most, top free agents would have been apprehensive about signing here because Harden could have one step out the door. Uh, So I think it was a necessary move to to remain relevant in the NBA landscape. So overall, I say it was a good move.
1: And I thought it also was them having to pay a little bit because of, you know, the the reputation the Rockets got as a result of that disappointment last year. They were, they had, they took a step back in in the NBA landscape um, and, you already heard whispers of when Harden goes, uh, you know, in, in a year and a half or two years or what have you. I mean, I think even Adrian Wojnarowski had misreported that it was one year, you know, that he had one more year left with the Rockets. So, yeah, it's disappointing to give up that much. I mean, Harden, in my opinion, was, it was a sweetheart deal for him. I think he, there's really very little to lose. He he does sacrifice one year, but he gets an insurance year as well. If for some reason he's injured or things change, he could opt into that extra year. Um, and you know, for the Rockets, they were paying all that money for that one extra year so they can have a little bit extra time to sort of recruit that second star, pursue that third star, uh, what have you. And they needed to have him in. So yeah, it's only one extra year overall, but they needed it.
0: Well, and then even if they don't recruit another star, to to know that you're going to hold on to your number one franchise player longer term, in and of itself, is, is is a major positive for the franchise.
1: Did we learn anything? I think you know about the Rockets this preseason. I mean, we had seven games, and I think the first four games were just sort of so the opponent was so weak. You know, you start out with the Sharks, and then you know you have the Knicks at home. You have uh, the Pelicans twice overseas in China. And it's, it's kind of hard to make out uh, what the Rockets are going to be because they're not playing strong defensive teams at all. And it's, you worry, I think for me in watching the Rockets, I worry about are team's going to be able to shut them down from three point range. Cause I think the Rockets are going to be awesome, you know, potentially explosive uh, from three point range. I I've said this after the second preseason game, they're going to smash the record for three point attempts, uh, per game this season. And it's their own record. I think it's around 32.7 per game. Um, they did it, uh, 2014, 15. Um, and I think they're, they have the, from last year it was like the third overall uh, all time. So you, you see them trending, they've been trending up. And I think with Dan Tony here and, and the personnel they have, it's going to trend even further, but if teams are able to slow them down from three point range, are they just going to get destroyed and run over on the other end? Um, and I think that's the big question. That's why people say about the Rockets, hey, if they can just be an average defensive team, they're going to be fine uh, overall.
0: Yeah, I, I think with the personnel they have, obviously they're going to be much better from three-point range. Um, I did. I, I think we, we we maybe skipped over, but I, I I did like the Eric Gordon signing. I thought yeah. that for for you know if he's healthy, I think it's a that, that's a, a really good contract, and even with with Average health. He, uh, I think, it, it, it's not a bad contract. I think between him and Anderson, they're gonna they're gonna be much better three point options than anything they had last year. And then I also think, you know, to your point about if if, if they if they uh, if other teams defend the three point line, I think both those guys have the ability uh, to pump fake, take a couple steps in, and I think Daryl Morey in the front office would trust them taking. 18 footers over the personnel they had last year because you know the knock had been oh well it's, if it has to be a three-pointer or a layup and mid-range jumpers are are you know completely forbidden and i think that was more a product of the personnel they had they didn't have good mid-range shooters you know if they had they, you know they tried for years to get a chris bosh or a lamarcus aldridge you, you can bet your bottom dollar that they would let those guys take long twos and I think they they feel comfortable with Gordon or Anderson taking those kinds of shots, not uh, not regularly, but if teams are going to run them off the three point line, you know those will be open shots. So I, I like their offense, even if other teams are guarding the, the three point line. Even though that, I mean that'll that would should probably be how teams defend the Rockets, but I still think they have the personnel to succeed offensively.
1: Yeah, you know I think I think anyone who says like the Rockets are going to win this amount of games and they just feel rock solid about it is probably not somebody you should trust because I think this is a year in which, you know, their range maybe is 38 to 51, 52 games and, you know, somewhere in between there. And it's, it's hard to peg what they're going to be. Um, I agree with you. I thought Eric Gordon's signing was terrific. It's his health, I think is what's going to determine a lot of it. I mean, the, the health factor of him, Anderson, uh, we, you know, right out of the gate, we've got a, another issue with Beverly and he's had some health issues over the last few years. So health for this team is going to be big, but I love Gordon. I think what open, what I learned about him this preseason was the quick release of Anderson and Gordon, what that adds for the team. I mean, there was the game where, you know, the Rockets won because Harden came down the floor, you know, quickly whipped the pass to Gordon and he got that shot off, you know, a few feet from behind three point range in no time flat and basically won the game for them. I believe it was against the Pelicans. I think that's, something that they haven't had i mean whether trevor reese's release is slow or not is not really uh, what i'm getting at it's just slower than the way these guys are able to quickly get them off and with harden out there driving uh you know causing problems and and shifting defenses uh i think these guys are going to get a lot of open shots and so they're going to be fun to watch i'm not I've never been really this a guy who's down on Dwight Howard, so I'm not knocking Dwight Howard, but I will say I'm very excited to have a season where we're not going to be watching Dwight Howard free throws. We're not going to be watching these post-up moves that are just painful to the offense. Their points per possession is are, are going to go way up this year. Um, so, like I said, I think they're going to be exciting, um, but I don't think we got any answers this preseason as to what the defense truly is.
0: Right. I mean, I, it would have been nice to have Beverly for more than a couple games in the preseason, and we could have kind of seen some sort in of, and between that and D'Antoni kind of toying with the rotation a little bit, seeing different player combinations, which he, which he should be doing in the preseason. Um, yeah, we haven't really gotten a chance to see, you know, what the rotation will look like, let alone how the rotation setup is going to impact uh, the team defensively because – you know, you'd imagine, assuming Capella is your starting center, that you were going to have three-plus defenders with Beverly, Ariza, and Capella. Um, a hopefully uh, average Harden this year. And then, uh, you know, God bless him, he he gives effort, but a, a woeful defender in Anderson.
1: <laughs> you know, we I, mean, I talked a little bit earlier about the Rockets embracing who they are. You mentioned Harden as a defensive player. I kind of like the fact that they are embracing who James Harden is and just sort of accepting it. I mean, last year, you know, the, the preseason and the training camp was all about Harden off the ball and having Ty Lawson uh, be that point guard and create the offense. And now they're just like, screw this. You know, we, you know, we know what James Harden is. <laughs> we're, we're just having him run the show. Uh, he's not a you know great defensive player. He's not going to be Kawhi Leonard. Um, uh, but, you know, we just need him to play average defense and, and be able to play uh you know within a defensive system that you know they've brought jeff Bezelik in for that uh and he's not going to be a guy who's going to be playing a ton off the ball he's our point guard for all intents and purposes and i think that's what um you know i like about this season is that they're just sort of embracing this you mentioned the rotation i'm just going to rattle these eight, these eight to nine names off harden beverly gordon ariza anderson capella Nene Brewer and then Demo when he does come and we can talk about Demo in this situation here in just a minute. That's nine. Do you see anyone else making this rotation right now?
0: I mean, I think Brewer is your weakest rotation member. Sure. um, And, you know, you're hoping someone like K.J. McDaniels or Decker can can push him. I think, you know, as we've seen in the last couple of games, I think Brewer will probably give him, be given the first shot. But uh, D'Antoni keeps a short rotation, so if he's not performing, they can just play other guys more minutes. Um, I think, well, especially with Beverly out, I think you'll see Prigioni getting rotation minutes early, and then yeah. maybe even when when Beverly comes back, I think you'll see Prigioni getting those spot minutes because uh, Harden, Beverly, and Gordon collectively are going to eat the vast majority of all the guard minutes on this team. Uh, But I'm guessing they'll be, you know, they might not take all 96 every single night. And I think, you know, I'd maybe get Prigioni, maybe Brewer fills in those last few minutes.
1: Yeah. You know, I want to be impressed by KJ McDaniels. I'm just not. I don't know why. I I uh, love certainly what he does in the open floor. I think he's a good rebounder for his position. Super athletic. Um, some of his uh, block shots are amazing. I, you know, And correct me if I'm wrong here, David, because I'm just not sure. I just don't see that lockdown defensive player. I think he's a better defensive player than some of the players uh, that they have. But I think we keep hoping he could be this, and I don't want to say Kawhi because that's a level that's way out there, but just this potential lockdown defender. Are you seeing that? From him,
0: you see it in flashes, but it, they're just not the consistency that you'd like.
1: Yeah, it, I
0: think on ball, he shows some flashes. Obviously, he's a nice weak side shot blocker. Uh, you don't see many of those from the the you know two three positions, um, but you know he gets lost every once in a while, and you know he he's no Trevor Ariza, or at least what <laughs> okay. Trevor Ariza can be.
1: Yeah, and Decker, I, I was. Uh, I, you know, semi-impressed with Decker. I mean, I, what I don't like about him is he's not Bobby Portis. So that's, we'll get that right out of the way, but he's, you know, he's very good. uh, I think cutting to the basket, uh, attacking the basket, I think inside the arc, uh, he's more effective than some people realize, but you know, it's for him, I think it's still going to be, can he develop or show consistent three point range? I think in college he was uh, you know able to shoot them just not a particularly great three point shooter i think that's what he needs to become to sort of you know he's added some weight he he they envision him playing some four especially with demo not here but you know that's what i think he's got to develop but i'm i've been impressed with him i think so far this preseason
0: yeah me too i think uh one of the things they really loved about him when they drafted him was he's a he's a very good finisher at the rim uh, he missed a couple, couple of layups uh, against the Spurs the other night, but um, I think overall he's a terrific finisher. Um, he, you're right, he needs to develop that three point shot. Um, I think he's more athletic than some people give him credit for. And I agree. I think that the best way for him to play minutes in a Dantoni offense is, is as a four, as a stretch four, or just as an athletic, you know, fast, you know, if you're playing at a fast pace. Uh, having decker at the four gives gives you an advantage um i really want him to succeed i think he has the highest upside of any of the guys on the bubble or just outside the rotation so i'm obviously cheering for him and you know i by the time
1: this podcast rolls in we may have seen some cuts already but they're in a i'd say a tough spot i mean always a good problem to have but when you don't know who you're going to cut you know, you probably imagine Bobby Brown and PJ Harrison are going to be uh, let go. I'm sure they they hope or envision Hairston uh, catching on with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers uh, later on here when they when those guys start up. But this isn't even including Demo, who has not signed yet. They're going to have to. You know, you would think looking at what they have is that Gary Payton II and Kyle Wilcher one of those guys may have to go or they're going to have to be creative and make a trade, which is possible as well, given that they are stalling here um, till the last minute or maybe even beyond that. Uh, what did you see from Gary Payton, II and Kyle Wilshire? Do you think they've both earned a spot here or, or do you think one of these guys is going to get cut? Uh,
0: I think if, if, if I had to pick one uh, right now, I'd say probably Payton gets cut. I think when they made the Tyler Ennis trade, I think Ennis took the roster spot that Peyton had a decent chance of earning. And once, once Ennis was in, and you see it in the preseason, uh, and probably rightfully so, they are they gave Ennis a ton of minutes because uh, they really need to see what they have in Ennis as a third point guard. And, and also he's got a, a, a team option they have to make a decision on for the 17-18 the season. Yeah, uh, I, But I think Ennis, just between his contract and being a first-round pick, I think, you know, he was always gonna have an advantage over Peyton for that, you know, point at uh, you know, third string point guard position. So I think that Ennis is really taking Peyton's spot. And then Wiltshire has shown a, a lot of flashes as a really good three point three point shooting four. Um and since you don't have Demo on the roster right now, uh, you know, hopefully work something out with Demo. Uh, Wilcher's contract is partially guaranteed so they're paying him anyway for the first half of the season so uh, I my guess is Wiltshire gets that last roster spot and if they reach a deal with Demo and they can't make a trade anywhere else you might see them cut Wilcher, you know a few weeks into the season and, and, and Demo takes his spot
1: yeah I, I do think Wiltshire has earned a spot here I think it's it's tough for me to envision them cutting Peyton. I've heard, you know, I've talked with uh, just people behind the scenes, uh, Rockets uh, front office, and I and there's at least a couple opinions that he has star-like potential uh, in just some of the things that he can do. Now that doesn't mean he's a, a plug-and-play star or anything to that uh, to that effect. He did deal with an injury in the summer league, but you know they they had some hopes for him. So I, uh, that's going to be a very tough decision, I think. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm sure they, they do this every year, but they're, I'm sure they're looking to exhaust every option they can uh, as far as trading. And, and as you mentioned, this is without including Demo, who they, they hope to add. And I think uh, personally has, has – gotten some bad advice or something. I think Demo's situation was, first of all, he walked into restricted free agency uh, as a member of the Houston Rockets, which is always just a bad, (laughs) you know, thing to do if you're the player. Um, The Rockets play that game very well. It has blown up in their face before with guys like Chandler Parsons, but um, it's served them very well. Carl Landry uh, was a good example. They ended up getting him at a bargain. Kyle Lowry is another good example, uh, I think Luis Scola kind of, um, I don't want to say blew up in their face, but he was able to leverage something that other players didn't, and that was signing overseas. Um, so anyway, the Rockets have played that game very well, but he's coming off that injury. The, the Pistons had made it public that, you know, he was, you know, they, they certainly vetoed that deal or, or rescinded it because of his physical. So I think he had that working against him, restricted free agency, injury. I think he was tailor-made to accept that qualifying offer and, prove it for one more year and then go into the free agency when it's even higher. The numbers are even higher as far as what players are getting. Uh, and then he's in a much better spot, but now he's, he he held out probably wanted some, some longer security and we are where we are.
0: Right. I I agree with you. I think um I I, I had been predicting those sides would have reached uh, maybe a short term contract above the qualifying offer, something akin to what, um, Festus Ezeli got from Portland, which was basically a two year deal uh, two years sixteen million the second year either not completely non guaranteed or almost fully non guaranteed um, Aze's in a very was in a very similar situation he had some uh, serious health concerns uh, Portland took the risk and signed him to a two year deal um, I was surprised they couldn't reach some sort of deal like that with Demo. Maybe he was asking for more. Maybe the Rockets didn't want to offer him that. But, you know, barring that, I thought the obvious play was just take the qualifying offer, ride it out for a year, and then go, you know, hopefully strike it rich in free agency in 2017. But I'm as baffled as you are why uh, Demo didn't take the qualifying offer and is just going to play a waiting game with a team that, you know, with each passing day needs him less and less because, without the benefit of training camp, he's not really going to help you as much.
1: Yeah, and I think it's kind of a shame because he is, I think, D'Antoni would be a good coach for him. I think he's in a good situation here in that he would get, I think, some minutes even at five. I think he'd get good minutes at, at four. He can shoot from the outside, or at least, you know, we we believe he can. He has done it in a season, uh, shoot well from three-point range. He's a good passer. I think he would fit in well here, and they'd have a nice little uh, – For rotation with Ryan Anderson and and Demo, uh, but we're and
0: and another thing is that now that the qualifying offer was terminated on October first, that was really the only one-year deal that was ever on the table for Demo, and that's because it had to be. Um, the The key with a one-year deal for Demo is uh, he would then be a one uh, a one-year bird player, which means that he would essentially have veto rights on any trade. Um, my guess is the Rockets don't want to offer Demo a one-year deal now because they, they would probably want the flexibility to trade him if, uh, you know, if the right deal came up. So there's no incentive for the Rockets to put a one-year deal on the table for him. You know, if I'm Daryl Morey, I, I'm offering nothing less than a two-year deal with, with partial or no guarantees in the second year, which give, would give me the flexibility to trade Demo if, if the right deal came along.
1: And it raises the question of whether he will go overseas in the sense of I need some sort of leverage. I have none right now. If I go out and play, get, get some money here uh, you know, overseas, then I could potentially renegotiate. But the Rockets certainly hold those rights until something is done.
0: Exactly. Even if he plays all year overseas, if he wants to come back to the NBA, as long as the Rockets keep his cap hold on the books – uh, he'll remain a free agent. That, they don't even have to extend him a, a qualifying offer anymore this season. If he doesn't sign by March 1st, he can't even go to another team and sign an offer sheet. He could only negotiate with the Rockets after March 1st, and then if he waits until next summer, the Rockets just have to extend the qualifying offer to him again, and he's once again a restricted free agent. He basically might, could, could never play in the NBA again as an unrestricted free agent unless the Rockets allow him to be one. <laughs>
1: Interesting. Yeah, it's a, that's a tough spot he he's been put in. I I like I said I tend to think the agents steered him in a in a bad direction. He probably should have you know, I think humbled himself for one year, maybe accepted less and and proven himself cuz he would have had a good opportunity here. Dan Tony seems to love him and I think would have put him, put himself in a good spot for moving forward. You know, I I won't keep you here. I appreciate all your insights. It's been fantastic, but I do want to uh, sort of close with a question here. Uh, You know, I will say, first of all, Beverly's injury is going to, I think, sting him a little bit. You know, first, I think, seven of the first eight games uh, are on the road. It looks like he's out at least three weeks. Uh, Dan Tony has mentioned potentially 20 games. Um, The timing is certainly awful. But I think they're just going to ramp up the offense, see how it goes from there. But what do the Rockets do as a front office? I think the last four or five years we've had, well, we have all this flexibility. We, We have, you know, uh, a star here and a star here or we have these two or three spots filled but we have glaring holes here what is the what do the Rockets as a front office do next do they need to add more you know continue to pile on three-point shooters do they need to you know try to upgrade at center what do they have what do they do in your opinion as far as the next upgrade to the Houston Rockets
0: that's a great question I think uh, they're in a tough spot um, you know as it relates to the Beverly injury I know I've heard a lot of People complain and, and for you know, for good reason that, well, with Beverly out now, all of a sudden the Rockets look really weak in the backcourt. Um, but that's a tough position to be in. D'Antoni typically plays a very short rotation. And with Harden basically being the point guard now, it, it was always going to be a situation in which Harden, Beverly, and Gordon were going to take all the minutes. So it, it, if it was a matter of, oh, let's go and get a, you know, a really good free agent, fourth guard, not a lot of players wanted to sign up to basically sit on the bench and hope someone gets injured in order for them to get any minutes. So I think guys like Prigioni, just a steady guy, good locker room presence, a guy who will accept the role of getting spot minutes and then fill in, you know, when there's injuries, that was the type of player you were always gonna get because the opportunities were not gonna be there by default. So from a roster construction standpoint, that was kind of the situation I think the front office found themselves in. As far as going forward, um, you have some nice young players, but you know, are you know, is Decker and Harrell and um, you know, the, they in their group of young guys. I don't know how that would stack up against a lot of other NBA teams from a trade asset standpoint. You know, they have few, they, they have all their future picks, um, but I don't know how great those picks are going to be. Uh, I, they could probably put together a package to get another, you know, top guy, maybe a top three or four guy on the roster, but it's tough to forecast how they can dramatically improve their team from here. I think it's going to take, it's going to take good player performances from a lot of young guys for those players to increase their value. And then maybe another team likes what they see and a Sam Decker uh, before before you see them, the Rockets able to pull off another coup of a trade for a top player.
1: Yeah, and I, and this is throwing a lot of different things out there. You could potentially still say point guard, uh, you know, with Beverly and I mean Gordon is. I think you're you're envisioning Gordon as being this sort of super sub can play either guard position. So uh, you know it doesn't necessarily affect the starting lineup. I think everyone's talking right now about the small forward position. People have thrown names like Rudy Gay out there just because he is out there on the trade market, but I don't think that's, that necessarily moves the needle a ton. Um, I think the three is probably the one position though, where they could truly add a 40, po- you know, 40% three point shooter and a strong defensive player. Of course, those guys are max contracts in this market. And then I, I think still the five. Um, I mean, Nene was a great signing and Capella is, is interesting, but I mean, I, I tell you, Dave, I was humbled when they talked all training camp about how uh, Capella's stamina was fantastic and he's added this, you know, strength and, and, you know, I'm ready to, to play 35 minutes a night now with Dwight gone. And, you know, that first quarter of the first game, he was winded, you know, and I think uh, that was the story in the next few games. I mean, he's had better games in the preseason. Um, and, you know, in fairness, it was the first couple of games that, where that really became an issue, but, you know, I think it's still going to be an issue for him to see if he is truly going to develop into a top flight defensive center and a guy who can, you know, starting player in this league who can give you 30 to 35 minutes a night.
0: Yeah, I think that the transition into that sort of player is not going to happen in one offseason. Um, you know, I think the loss of Dwight Howard will be felt for all the criticisms people have for especially last season with Dwight. He was still a top center in the league you know one of the top centers in the league and and there will be drop off although I think Nene is going to help a lot in that respect and then I think you know my assumption would be that that in D'Antoni's offense that Demo was probably going to get some center minutes as well so you would have had some you know center by committee here with three legit quality NBA players if not all-stars um, but yeah that, that it's a work in progress but I you know I'm I'm somewhat cautiously optimistic that uh, Capella can at least be a plus defender and a nice pick and roll threat with Harden.
1: Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I just, you know, I, I, I look at it almost like two seasons, the Rockets on the court and the Rockets in the front office. And, you know, between now and February is a season for them, you know, developing these guys on the court so that they can uh, potentially make that next upgrade. I mean, a team like Philly has three young uh, you know, up and coming centers. That's, uh, you know, something that uh, you you have to keep an eye on and uh, you know, a few other situations out there, but I was just curious your thoughts on that. I I think overall, like I said, I mentioned, I think the fans have gone into this season just slowly, maybe because the Texans are doing a fairly uh, decent, I guess depends on who you ask, but um, you know, I think people are, are just a little bit hesitant on the Rockets. I think they are not going to be as good as we expected the Houston Rockets to be last year. And that's, what's probably disappointing some people. I think what we had envisioned and what they could have been, I don't think they will be that this, this year. They don't have that kind of defensive potential, but I think the Rockets have a decent chance this year of being better than they actually were last year, uh, which is saying something. I think that they um, are basically trending in the right direction, the way the NBA is going, the three point shooting and uh, you know, being, having high uh, points per possession. Um, and I think that's what you're going to see from this team this year, assuming again that they stay healthy. So in that regard, I'm excited about the season and, and uh, excited to see what they'll, they'll start to do.
0: So Dave, before we go, what's your prediction, uh, number of wins and where they finish in the Western conference standing?
1: You know, I, I think, as I mentioned before, I think it's very hard for me to, to pick this, to pick where this team goes. Um, I want to believe it's a 50-win team. I really want to, but I'm going to say about 46 wins. I'm going to put them uh, in probably the six range. I think I look at D'Antoni's history. I look at Phoenix when they signed Nash and nobody envisioned, you know, that team being anything special and they were fantastic and, you know, people overlooked D'Antoni's teams. So part of me feels like this team could be good, but I think, Given the history of the, the injury history of some of the guys, given that we already know Beverly's out to start the year and we really have no idea what they're going to be defensively, uh, I'm putting them at a playoff team, but in the bottom uh you know half of the seeds. I don't think they're you know I think they've been picked as, as high as fourth. I want to believe that, but i'm I'm not buying into that just yet.
0: This is boring. We agree too much. Um, I, I would say 47 wins will be. I will be pleased with 47 wins and the fifth seed. That, that's my prediction. They could, like you said, they could finish with 50 plus wins. They could get the four seed, but it, if I had to guess, I'm saying 47 wins and the five seed. But I, I think 46 and the sixth seed is 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 just as likely.
1: And let me ask you this. If this team, I mean, I think Harden, the answer is obviously yes. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But if they if they lose Gordon for a significant amount of time, is this a lottery team? You know, I mean, that's, I mean do they have a, you know, I look at Harden and Gordon, and I think if they lose those guys, this team could be out.
0: Um, losing Gordon for an extended period would really hurt. But I think as long as you have a healthy Harden, which, you know, knock on wood, you, you've had a healthy Harden his whole career here. Um, I think he keeps you in the playoff picture by himself.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. His, his numbers are going to be through the roof this year. By the way, I think it's, I, I don't know if he's. I haven't been playing fantasy basketball for a while. I don't know if he's the number one pick, but I think his assists are going to be outrageous. I think he could lead potentially lead the league in assists, uh, which is amazing considering he really is a two guard. Um, and I think his triple doubles this year. He's as far as. The number of triple levels in a season, he'll set his his personal high.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think he he and Russell Westbrook are going to put up video game numbers this season.
1: <laughs> David, thanks so much for doing this, man. I appreciate uh, you taking time out of it to uh, talk with me. And uh, this is it, man. I'm excited about what, what we're about to see.
0: Me too. It should be an interesting season. You know, I'm with you. It's very unpredictable, but uh, that should only add to the excitement.
1: Until next time, that is David Weiner. You can follow him uh, on Twitter at Beemathug. Uh, or on Clutch Fans, the same username at Bema Thug. Uh, thanks for, for listening and we'll talk to you guys soon.